Praise the Lord, everybody out there. God bless you. I'm so glad that we're here on God's whole word. Hallelujah. And this is a special um, podcast to me. It's special to me today. Uh, it's special to us here uh, that um, basically run this podcast because today is our 50th podcast. Now, I know that there's a lot of you out there. You say, oh, that ain't nothing. That ain't nothing. You know, we got we got many, many, many more uh, going on than you. Well, that's all fine and will. I'm happy for you. That's wonderful, especially if you've got something good to say. If you ain't got nothing good to say, well, I'm not going to be happy about that. But, uh, you know, I, I'm glad for those that are able to get the Word of God out there, those that are doing something. And maybe, maybe it is that your podcast is... Um, you know, uh, geared towards some other good thing that you're doing and good thing that you might be saying out there to help, uh, you know, people uh, in life and uh, whatever else you got going on that's a good, uh, wonderful, positive thing uh, that helps people out, especially those who are uh, helping to do their part, trying to help bring people closer to the Lord, trying to help people learn what God's Word says. Hallelujah. And that's what we're doing here. We're trying to uh, get God's whole Word out there. We don't want to leave nothing out. Amen. And But again, like I said, this is a special podcast to us here and uh, to me. And I, I, uh, I wanted to do something different. Now, I know that we've been talking for the last uh, little while. You know, for a while we talked about the things that... Um, you know, about God's love and explaining uh, what that looked like and all of, all of those things. And we went through that uh, quite uh, detailed and all. And I know a lot of y'all, uh, you know, you say, well, this ain't, you ain't really got no 50th podcast because it ain't really a podcast and all that. And I know people can just uh, run their mouth and say whatever they want to say. But, you know, a lot of people going to say all kinds of things. Uh, when you get busy talking about God's word, and especially when you get busy talking about God's whole word, and you get busy turning uh, over stones people don't want to turn over, and saying some things in the word of God that some people don't want to say. You know, we've got a world out there that uh, is being, uh, when I say world, we've got people out there that are being um, intimidated. When I say people, I'm talking about the people of God. And that are being intimidated by this world and all that's going on uh, with this world. But, you know, um, I, I, I just had to make up my mind because the Lord, you know, he gave me instruction a long time ago. And, of course, you know, when God calls you, uh, you know, you got to understand something. Anybody that's called to preach. Now, if you, you listen to this podcast and you say, well, you know, I, I feel the call of God on my life and all of those things. I'm, I'm, I'm uh, you know, going to give you some words here. And really, the Word of God very clearly states that, it, you know, if you uh, desire that in your life, it's a, it's a good thing. But the bottom line is we've got to make sure uh, of our calling. Make sure of that. Make sure of your calling and election that it is sure. You know, you you got to make sure. Number one, you you got to make sure you're saved. <laughs> you uh, y'all got to make sure you're saved. None of this half saved business. You say ain't no such thing as half saved. Well, there's not. But that's what it's pretty much boiled down to with a lot of uh, uh, 
churches or so-called churches out there that are, you know, they give people a, you know, this half-baked bunch of salvation that ain't worth nothing. And so if you're half saved, you ain't saved. And that's pretty much how that the Word of God sees it. If you're, if you're only half saved, you're not saved. You're still lost. You know, if you're 99% saved, you're still lost. You got to be 100% saved. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So you're going to make your election, your calling an election. Sure, you don't know what God calls you to do. And maybe the Lord call you um, to do certain things that other people uh, may not look as, at as a ministry. You know, I've known people that they've ministered in other ways and they've got a ministry you know i've known of of people that actually i've known of people that uh, have construction companies that they you know saved i'm talking about saved sanctified people filled with the holy ghost living the life of holiness and separation from the world and just uh, doing their part in the world um and and certainly you know their business uh, that is how they certainly earn their money uh, to take care of their families and all that but they also use it to minister to those in need because i, I know of a specifically i know of a sister uh that was blessed by a family uh, or well a, a business is run by um a brother and his family um construction and um they blessed her uh she ended up with a new roof they came put the new roof on didn't charge a thing and I was just so amazed and just blown away at the kindness of those folks. Now, she was a, a widow indeed. The Bible said, make sure your widows are widows indeed. And she certainly is. She's, uh, you know, getting close to 80 and all. And her husband has passed and everything. And uh, so and she was in desperate need after the freeze that we had in uh, Texas and uh, needing uh, a lot of work done on her home and all. And uh, so they came and they put a new roof on her house. And I, I tell you, it was just such a blessing to see people that uh, can use whatever that God gives you to do, whatever it is that God has called you to do in this life. And it may be in a different way that you minister to others. So uh, we certainly don't want to uh, make anybody think that you can't minister where you at with what you're doing. Whatever God is calling you know, each and every one of us to do. Uh, we've got to be about our Father's business. Allow God to lead us and direct us and guide us, you know, uh, with what he wants us to do with what we're doing, you know. And I, I will go so far. I mean, uh, come on now. I mean, uh, people that take care of uh, elderly in their homes. You know, a lot of time these are the unsung heroes because, uh you know, I've, I've known, now myself, I, I did that, and I'm not saying that to be no Hunsung home or hero, uh, but I'm saying that because I've seen others that seem like they've done their job better than, than me. I mean, I tried to do my best with what I did and taking care of elderly and disabled at one time when I did that, and I did my best, I, I, I did, but but I've, I've seen others that have gone above and beyond the call of duty and so many times. Uh, you know, with with those things. And I am uh, in awe when I see um, what God can do. You know, where these people, uh, they, they feel the call of God to draw them to this. Uh, some people, I, I've, I've heard of people that literally felt uh, drawn to, to be a doctor and they felt like the Lord wanted them to be in that place and that position. And, and so, uh, you know, and, um, 
and they give God the honor. I've, I've, I've seen where they've actually got, you know, plaques and things up on the wall that, that will honor God and that will say, you know, uh, I, I'm just here as, as hands to be used, but God is the healer. You know, things like that. And it's just really uh, a wonderful blessing to see things like that because a lot of times uh, people in those positions, they can be very prideful and um, got this idea that they're the healer. No, you're not the healer. God, God, God may give you some understanding and some thanking that you need, but that brain came from Him. And, and He's the one to help you out, to help you to get the education you got for you to be able to do the things you do that help people um, to be able to get a healing in, in those manners that God allows to be. Because, you know, sometimes the Lord will allow a doctor to be used. And sometimes, you know, there's, uh, I, I am not one of these that are a proponent of a lot of meds being taken, but I certainly am not one who's going to sit here and say that that cannot be done because God has given scientists and pharmaceutical people, I guess that's the name of those type of scientists, um, I haven't really looked into that a whole lot, so if I've misworded what I've just said. But those that make the medication, those that, you know, they, they, they got their mind and they're looking and they're studying and they're thinking, well, let's put this together and that together, and it puts together certain meds. Now, we know that we're limited. We certainly know that on this earth, with those medications that we give, and I don't mean me, but I mean, uh, you know, the human beings give other human beings as a doctor prescribing is what I mean. Uh, we're limited in those things because most most of us, uh, we've listened to commercials and we hear, you know, it says, oh, this will do this, this and this. But remember, uh, and then they'll start telling it could cause this and it could cause that and it could cause this and it could cause that. And it's like by the time they get through, it's like, wow, you know, what up? But, you know, it's because, you know, we're human beings and we're limited. But one of these days, hallelujah, God is going to give us a new body. If you got your mind made up to serve the Lord, to put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, and you got a mind to live for him, and you obey his word, one of these days, the Bible say, God going to raise those that have been in Christ Jesus, going to raise us up from the dead. Hallelujah. And uh, so, and, and, and what he do, we ain't going to be like the living dead, like, you know, some of this nonsense that goes on on the one-eyed demon called the television. But, um, you know, I, I'm talking, you know, God going, you know, the Bible says we're going to get a new body that's going to be fashioned like his. And so I'm excited about that because I tell you, you know, sometimes I, I got to be careful sometimes how far I walk. Uh, I'm excited about uh, another thing coming up, our, our, some of our adult children are, flying out here and driving out here or flying and driving not necessarily flying out here but flying in one direction and driving out here and another and and all of that and we've got several of our uh, kids coming gonna be able to see our grandson and all of that and i'm excited about that i really am and uh, you know so you say well why you say that well because when they get here they said well you know uh, Dad, we got all kinds of things planned, and we won't take you to the zoo, and we won't take y'all to the aquarium, and and we won't go to the beach, and we, you know, and they're much younger than I am. I'm in my sixties, and and uh, my kids, that uh, well, you know, the ones that are coming, they're in their twenties, and um, you know, uh, I, I I said to somebody. <laughs> I said, you know, I'm so excited about the kids coming, my grandson being able to spend some time and all of that. I said, but I, I tell you, I'm going to have to pace myself because uh, we're going to have to do just one thing at, uh, at a, you know, one day at a time because uh, my hip, sometimes I get to walk and I walk too long and, 
and all of that, you know, y'all know what I'm talking about. You know, you, um, you know, you got to sit down and you got to take a break because your legs are, you know, getting where they don't feel right. And your hip not walking right, you know, moving along in your body as you walk and all. So, but, uh, you, you know, uh, there's all of these different things. You know, I've known the people, they've got the new hip replacements. And, I'm, you know, my mom had new shoulder replacement of different things. And uh, some other relatives as well recently got some shoulder surgery. And, you know, we, we come up with all these different things as human beings and things that we, um, you know, that we do to uh, endeavor to make life easier. You know what? Y'all know what I mean? And uh, and so uh, the, the thing of it is that these things, though, they're limited. I remember my mom, when she, when she first got uh, this shoulder prosthetic shoulder piece that she had, she had had a, a really difficult seizure, a very severe seizure that tore the arms, her arms out of the socket, and and she had to have uh, some major surgeries uh, in putting, you know, they did what's called an induction, and they put pushed the arms back in. Well, the left arm went in, but the right one just kept coming out, and so they had to they had to do something different with that. But long story short, it really was a difficult problem for my mom and. And, uh, but they put in a new prosthetic, had to end up putting a new prosthetic piece in the shoulder eventually and all this. Well, that one, it lasted for a little while and then it failed and they had to do another one. And so these things on this earth, they, uh, you know, they can last for a while. They can do things and some things may help for a while and then you got to go on to something else and all that. But one thing I'm so excited about is that the Lord, the Lord has promised us that one day we're going to get a new body. Our, our abilities and, 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 and all that God gives us with the faculties that he gives us. You know, God gave us uh, a mind to do and all that. We were made in his image to have emotions and feelings and be able to express our love to others and, and all of that. And, but, you know, when sin came in, when mom and daddy in the garden, y'all, you know, when I, I talk about things, uh, I say it in a certain way, and I talk about Adam and Eve. It was mom and daddy in the garden. It was a mom and daddy of all of us. The Bible says Eve was the mother of all living, so every one of us, we're, we're related one way or another. Now, I don't mean that in an incestuous type of a way, but I do mean uh, that I see what the Scripture says, and when it says she was the mother of all living, that's exactly what it means. So you can accept uh, flat out that no matter whose race is what, we are all, uh, in one way or another, we all from the same mom and daddy out of the garden. Now, some people are going to dis, um, disagree with that, and they're going to flat out just uh, tear that apart. But you know what? <laughs> I, I don't really care what you say. Uh, if God's word says that it's so, then it's so. Because when God speaks... That's the end of it for me. When the Lord says something, that's all she wrote. Now, I don't mean she, God is being a she. I don't mean that. But I mean, you know, people use that statement. They say those kind of things. Now, don't get on me and send any kind of thing. Say, well, oh, you talking back, you know. Uh, uh, I, I think God is a she. God ain't no she. Sit down and be quiet. You don't know what you're talking about. You ain't got no Bible on that. And the Bible that people use saying that kind of thing, they twist it up. You see what I mean? Now I'm not gonna I'm not gonna, you know, uh, how so they say pussyfoot around. You know what that meant was like a cat and they walked through real they were pussycat, you know. And and the pussyfoot, that meant 
they were walking so quietly, you don't even know they're there until all of a sudden they just pounce on whatever it is they're going after, and you don't even know that you don't hear them walking because they're pussyfooting. They're going real slow and careful, and because and they got this soft per, uh, uh, bottoms on their feet, you know, and you can't hear them coming, and then all of a sudden, bam, and they're there and uh, jumping on whatever it is they're going after. And, you know, uh, there's folks out there that... Uh, that's how they are with the Word of God. They just pussyfoot around with it. And they want to, uh, you know, be real, uh, you know, careful because they don't want to bother nobody. Well, I'm not here to bother nobody. You know, this is the 50th podcast. I'm happy to do. But if you listen to all 50 of them, you'll find out I uh, I don't mince words. I, I, I'm going to tell you what God's Word says. That's why it's called God's whole Word. And and we're gonna we're gonna have to do that because, um, you know, what are we gonna do? Where are we gonna go if we don't let God uh, do what God does best? And what God says, you know, if you stand there and say, "Look, this is what the Word says," you don't have to worry about having an answer for every single person. Now I know that there's people out there they're gonna twist what I said because they're gonna misquote a verse. Of scripture, I know exactly what you're gonna do. Uh huh. You gonna say all the Bible says always have an answer. That's not what it said. Now it said to give always have an answer to give the hope that is in you. That's the, the hope you've got in Jesus Christ. And so I I can give you the hope that I have, but you you may not want to hear what I got to say. You know. And so uh, I I can always always give you an answer of the hope that I've got in Jesus Christ. Now, whether you accept it, that's your choice. You don't want to accept it, that's your choice. But what won't happen is, is people won't have the choice of the consequences that comes from making a foolish decision of saying either there's no God or that they don't believe Jesus Christ was the Messiah. You know, like Muslims, they don't believe that. They believe Jesus was just a, you know, a, a good prophet and, and all that kind of thing. I'm not going into that tonight. But in any event, so uh, I, I, I said to myself, you know, I could do the 50th podcast and we could uh, uh, talk about continuing talking about the things God hates, which we were in Proverbs chapter 6, and I believe it was verses uh, 16 through 19, some, somewhere around there. And, uh, you know, and we could have just gone on with that. And I thought, you know, I don't, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to do something special. And so uh, what I, I wanted to do... Uh, is I want to just pull out some of my favorite verses of Scripture, uh, favorite passages of Scripture, too. And so that's what I'm going to do today. And so, uh, but you know, before we go into the Word of God, y'all know what we got to do. You know where we're going to go, hallelujah. We got to go to the throne of God. And how do we get there? We're going to talk to the Lord, hallelujah. Lord, we thank you, God, for your Word. I thank you for your holy word. It's a holy word. Hallelujah. And I thank you for the holy word. I thank you, God, that you preserved your word. It don't matter what the liars are saying out there, God. It don't matter no how, Lord, what they're saying, whether they say it was written by a man or not. I know, Lord, that you wrote the word and you used the men. How many, Lord, there's about 40 of them, Lord, that you used over 1,500 years, Lord, to write this book. Hallelujah. 
that flows and, and moves, hallelujah, like a well-oiled machine. Yes, it does. Hallelujah. And I thank you, God, that your word, you can depend on your word. Hallelujah. I thank you for that, Lord. Hallelujah. And I can go to the word and I can find, Lord, the prophecies concerning you, my Messiah, my Lord, my King, the one I bow to. I thank you, Lord, that you made a way, God, to preserve your word that I might look at it and see so that I might know my Messiah. Be able to see who it is and understand who it is. Thank you for the word you preserved. And with that said, Lord, I know your word is a lamp under our feet and a light under our path. God, you direct us. You guide us. So let your word do that now as we go and we read it. Lord, I pray that Holy Ghost will help teach us. Let it be a teacher to us. Oh, God, open up our mind and our heart that we can see and understand what you got to say today. Out of your word in Jesus' name, Amen and Amen. And so, as I said, I wanted to, uh, I'd like to uh, read some of my favorite passages. And so, I'm going to pick. I decided to pick only one out of the New Testament, and then in the rest of them, I'm going to be doing uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And I've got two passages in Matthew, two in Mark, two in Luke, and two in John. Uh, but um, anyway, I I want to uh, read the first one that I've got in the in the Old Testament. Well, we call it, you know the Old Testament, uh, and that's in Psalm twenty three. Now most folks, uh, you know, they gonna know what that is. I mean, uh, even. Even the, hold on one second, I'm, I'm just going to look something up real quick. Y'all going to hear uh, pages rolling here real quick because i got to look something up really, really quick and then I'm going to mark it and then I'm going to be there. And uh, Yes, amen. And so, uh, anyway, uh, I'm writing it down one second, y'all. I know it seems a little odd that I'm doing that, but I, I want to make sure i got something wrote down that the Lord reminded me. All right, so Psalm 23. And so many people, even people you know that uh, are in the world, and when I say in the world, I'm not being mean to nobody, but if you ain't, uh, if you ain't accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, you're in the world. Uh, amen, hallelujah. And you need to be baptized with that Holy Ghost because God's going to give you that power. You need that power. And the Bible tells us that in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, and he was telling the people, uh, you know, that were there, that had seen him rise from the dead and saw him for 40 days. He said, now you're going to go and you're going to wait there in Jerusalem until you're being endued with power from on high. And God is still wanting that, uh, wanting to give that to us, and God still has it available. Uh, but, you know, there's so many people that are in the world that know this passage of Scripture because so many people use it a lot of times at funerals. They really do. They'll quote this passage of scripture this chapter in the book of psalm at funerals many many times and i've even heard of people uh using it in other places as well and it's a wonderful um passage of scripture so psalm 23 and i i just love this one because uh it really you know it kind of brings comfort to you and it helps you to know uh what god's got uh, thoughts about us and what what he's he's like to us and so Psalm 23, it says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. 
Now, some people say, oh, that means I never uh, am going to be missing anything. And, and then people get confused because they misinterpret because they say, well, I had to do without this or I had to do without that. Uh, you know, and they misinterpret that. And then they'll go running off and say, well, I don't believe the Bible because it said, I shall not want. And I wanted this and I wanted that and I didn't get it. That's not what that means. That word want is actually need. I shall not need. And some people will misinterpret that as well because they will say, well, I had needs. Listen, if you're still alive, your need at the moment in this human race where we, you know, life is short and full of trouble. There's, there's things that go on and sometimes uh, there's not uh, always everything there that we see that we think that we need. Uh, but God is going to take care of our needs. Now, I'm going to say this, and I know a lot of people are not going to like what I'm getting ready to say. Now, when I was young, we were very, very poor at one point. And, um, you know, when my mama decided to move us out of Texas and took us to California, and people, you know, I had kids at school, they were just so mean, and they're making fun of my accent and everything. But I'd been raised in Texas for 10 years, and it was just a part of who I was and the way I was. And and uh, I, uh, we got out there, and I tell you, it was just a terrible thing I had to deal with so many times. And um, but we got out there, and 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 life was different there than it was here, you know. So we did all right when we lived here, but when we got over there, many many things changed. And um, my mother went through some really heavy duty, difficult emotional uh, problems and things like that, and as well financial problems that were became very very severe. So we were quite poor at one point growing up, and uh, even to the point that we were so malnourished, we went into foster care eventually, and the doctor that examined me, and he told my foster mother, he said, I've never seen uh, in his practice a child my age, because I was 17 when we went in. He said, I've never quite seen it like this, as malnourished as he was, or myself as I was. Because we, we did a lot without a lot. And, uh, you know, there were days that we went hungry. There were days that we didn't have a lot of food. I remember one day in particular that uh, my mother had went to the hospital. The ambulance had come and picked her up. And we were there with my stepfather, who was very abusive. And, and, and we were just, there was nothing left in the house except for a little bit of oatmeal in one of those uh, containers. In, uh, cardboard, made out of cardboard. Like, and... Uh, and there was uh, a can of green beans. That's all there was in the house. And I'm not kidding. There was nothing else. Not another stitch of nothing in the fridge. Not another stitch of nothing in the cupboards anywhere. I mean, that was it. So he took that and he cooked the oatmeal and the green beans together. And he said, this is dinner. And I went hungry. He said, well, you should have ate. Well, I, I could have. But I was afraid it was going to, just the two of it mixed together, was going to make me sick to my stomach. So I didn't eat. But there wasn't a whole lot, and, and, you know, we would do without. And sometimes uh, there was a point where my mother would give me a brown paper bag. Back then you had brown paper bags at the grocery store, and uh, the times that we had money to go get groceries, we had food stamps. Back then it was actually, you know, in a little book, and you'd pull them out, and everybody knew you had food stamps. And, uh, you know, you'd take those bags home, and you got them at the house when my mom would, my mother would send me out you know at certain times of the month almost every month 
month after month after month, certain time of the month when you run out of money and uh, run out of food stamps and uh, and and she'd send me out and she'd say, I need you to go out in the neighborhood and I need you to ask for, for groceries and I would do that in a very humiliating, very uh, humbling situation, especially when somebody opened the door and you went to school with some of the kids, their mom opened the door and the kids are standing there and that you go to the bus stop, school bus stop and, and having to deal with all that. You say, why did you say all that? Well, I want you to understand something. I want you to see. And I know there's people that had it much worse than, I haven't even scratched the surface, but it was, got pretty severe. But, um, and I know that there's people that have suffered through much, much more. I'm not saying mine's the worst at all. But it was a rough time. And I know people are not gonna like what I'm getting ready to say. But even though those moments and those times that, yeah, we were there and we were hungry and we would, uh, even one of the neighbors, I remember her name was May. She was this little old lady, about 80 years old in the trailer park where we lived. And she knew that we were hungry. We were, you know, and she told me one day when I went over there with a brown paper bag and, and I was asking for groceries and she said, I won't tell you something, John. She goes, when you and your sister and your brothers, you need something to eat, she said, come over, I'm going to feed you. She said, but I can't do this anymore. Because it had been done so many times because we were just uh, struggled so much. Now, so, but um, people knew. And, and God provided, you know, he made a way. And sometimes we were hungry and sometimes we were not. Sometimes we didn't have food and uh, have to go hungry and sometimes we didn't. But here's the deal. God got me over onto this side. You know, sometimes we go through different things that are very difficult. It may be different than somebody else, but there's people that have gone through some really rough patches. Now, you can't be blaming God, and you can't misinterpret this scripture because God did give me what I needed. I didn't die. I, I, I did suffer. You know, there were times that I was hungry. There was times that, you know, I mean, um, I, I was known as string bean because I was so skinny at one point because we just didn't have a lot of food. And I and um, I don't know what, you know, why people thought I was so skinny, but that was really um, the reason at that point in time in my life. And so, uh, you know, I'm certainly not called string bean now. You know, I'm, I'm always trying to get this extra 20 pounds off of me. And so, you know, God allowed me and he kept me and he got me through. And so this is what you can really glean from this verse is that the Lord, he's my shepherd. And, and God knows us even before we're even formed. He knew we were going to be born. So God knows and he sees everything that we are going through or what we're going to go through before we're even born. The Lord is there. And we have to learn to trust him. Because the Lord is our shepherd, he will get us through. And if we learn to trust him, um, God's not going to let us down. And there's going to come a day when the Lord, all of this suffering that we've had to deal with, uh, going to be over. The Bible says he's going to wipe away every tear. All the pain and the suffering that we've had to deal with, God is going to take care of us. And so the Lord is our shepherd, and we do not want. The, the Lord takes care of what we need, because even if I died starving, and I have served the Lord, and I got my mind made up to serve Him and live for Him, and I starved to death. See, this is what some people don't want to hear. 
and I'm before the Lord, God's got me in his hands. I'm there with him, and he's going to take care of me because I put my faith in him. You can read the story about Lazarus and the rich man. You know, Lazarus was so poor, and he stayed at the, you know, down at the door there of the rich man's house just hoping and begging for uh, any kind of morsel and crumb or whatever. And when, when Lazarus died, well, he had had, obviously, faith in the Lord. So he went on to a place of peace and comfort. And, and But the rich man, because of the way he had treated this uh, poor man, he didn't have trust and faith in God and all of that, but he certainly did not tra treat uh, this one. that He wasn't asking for the rich man to even make a room for him in his, uh, you know, big palace or whatever it was he lived in, but he was rich. Uh, he just wanted a morsel of bread. and So this man did not have a heart. He had no compassion, and, and he ends up in hell. But the Lord will be your shepherd. The Lord will guide you, and you won't have needs. God is going to watch over you no matter how difficult it may get, and you may end up dying through whatever it is that you got to go through. But know this, that if you got your faith put squarely in Jesus Christ, you're going to pass from this life to the next. It's, and when I say the name, I ain't talking about, um, you know, there's people that will say, oh, well, uh, he, he thinks you're going to turn into something else or whatever, you know, and that kind of thing. No, I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about becoming another person. I'm not talking about, no, I'm talking about you. Uh, you. You pass from this life, and you're not going to experience death. You're going to go from here. You're gonna, it's going to be holly here and Luya there, and you're going to be in the presence of the Lord. Now, so the Lord is our shepherd, and we don't have needs. If we trust in him, he's going to take care of everything all the way down to the last breath that we take. He will be there. The Bible says he'll be there even, even in our death. The Lord's going to be there. Verse 2, it says, He maketh uh, me to lie down in green pastures and leadeth me beside the still waters. In other words, God is going to help me get through. And, and, and this kind of leads me by still waters. It goes along with the other verse that says, It's a peace that passes all understanding. I remember this last year uh, I mentioned it and I might mention it a few more times you know we just passed not too long ago the six month anniversary of our I don't even really like calling it an anniversary of our son's death and uh, he was 22 and he died of a drug overdose and uh, it was hard on me then it was really really hard on, on us all just uh, a devastating thing to have to deal with and, um, you know, that first day I heard that and I got off the phone and I went to my room and I just, uh, I mean, it's almost like you feel like you're just going to lose your mind for a moment, just in so much heavy grief and, and all of that. But, you know, the Lord has picked me up and he's carried me through and he's given me that place where he leads me beside still waters. He puts it peace inside you and the comfort in you when he hears you in so much pain and he's there for you he really is and i i promise you if you let the lord lead you he'll lead you beside the still waters and he'll help you through no matter how difficult the situation is that you face he's going to be there and so the next verse is he uh psalm 23 verse 3 it says he restoreth my soul he leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake i can say that the lord restored my soul because i i backslid I backslid, and I, you know, and God was so good to me. And I, you know, he was already good to me to give me the truth and baptize me with the Holy Ghost. And then 
you, you know, there's a point in time if if you don't continue to walk in the Spirit, because some people say, well, how could you have been baptized with the Holy Ghost and then and then leave? You know, and so many people misinterpret Scripture, especially Pentecost. they got a bad habit of that, uh, misinterpreting some of those verses. But, uh, you know, the Bible says to not just to be in the Spirit, but to walk in the Spirit. And so there are those who are in the Spirit. You've been baptized with the Holy Ghost and uh you know baptized in jesus name and you're living for the lord and you learn how to walk with the lord and all that but you've got these certain struggles or battles that's going on in your life and you allow yourself to get too focused on that instead of walking in the spirit like you need to and 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 you can get yourself if you look in galatians 5 uh chapter 5 and you go uh reading from well I'm believing it's around, go up to about verse 17 or 18 or so. And keep reading all the way to the end of that uh, chapter 5. And you're going to see this, uh, This it's, it, it's really something that is quite um, clear when you look at those that passage of scriptures there. Because there's this battle between the spirit and the flesh. And uh, if we will continue to walk in the spirit, we won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. But if we get ourselves sidetracked and we don't continue to walk in the Spirit, and we've got to do it daily. Because the Bible says that the outward man perish, but the inward man is renewed day by day. Day by day. So every day, every day, we've got we to gotta get with the Lord, and we've got to talk with the Lord, and we've got to stay full of the Holy Ghost. Because, uh, it, you know, it is a day-by-day -day walk with the Lord. And every day, your enemy is going to rise up, and he's going to be there to fight, fight you. And so we've got to have the strength of the Lord. So we go to him daily so the lord I, I know he's i know he can do this he can restore your soul so anybody if you even if you, you feel like you maybe didn't completely backslide as i know i did uh maybe you're just kind of you're teetering on the edge there and 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 god is trying to give you a word of encouragement please take it please take it and be encouraged God is going to be able to get you through anything. I know there's struggles out there, and I know that there's battles, and there's addictions, and there's all kind of things that the devil throws at us, and it, and, and it can be really, really difficult. And maybe you've already fallen, and you feel so guilty, you don't know what to do, and you just, look, the Lord can restore you. I know that from experience, and I've felt it in my life. And I can tell you, I can tell you from the bottom of my heart, God can restore. So you keep on keeping on. You get up. Get yourself up in Jesus' name. Get up and let God restore you and work with you and stay full of the Holy Ghost. And if you ain't been baptized with the Holy Ghost, God wants to give it to you. He does. The Lord wants to give it to you. You read uh, chapter 2. Read the whole chapter 2 of the book of Acts. Read uh, chapter 1 and verse 8 where the Lord said you're being endued from, with power from on high. Read those things. Read especially to Acts chapter 2, 38 and Acts chapter 2, 39 because that promises for all of us and God wants to be baptized and he's going to give us that Holy Ghost and that Holy Ghost is going to guide us and strengthen us and lead us, teaching us and giving us peace. Now, so he says in verse 3, he says, Restore up my soul. And I, I just love this passage of Scripture. He says, He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Oh, you know, the first the verse that I just read a while ago, uh, He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. That was actually verse 2. I think I actually said verse 3 a while ago. I'm not sure. I can't go. I'm not going to go back and look at it. Um, anyway, if I made the mistake, that was actually verse 2. So verse 3 says, he restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. 
Well, that's interesting. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. What does that mean? That means God's going to lead you to a walk of righteousness because it, his name is on the line. You know, it's, it, the sake of his name is on the line. He doesn't want us to live, you know, um, in an unrighteous way because it's going to bring shame to his name. Why would we sit there and say we we follow the Lord and we, we serve in the Lord and, and yet we live in an unrighteous life? And so for his name's sake, he's going to lead us in the paths of righteousness. And then verse 4 says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. And some of us, you know, you know, personally, maybe personally, you have been at death's door yourself. And you have had to just say, Lord, I'm in your hands. I know I got very, very ill after we moved to Texas, and I honestly thought that I was going to die. I really did. And I even had instructed my spouse uh, as I my body was just going down, and I was really, really sick. And um, I didn't instruct where the life insurance policies were and what needed to be done and that kind of thing. And uh, I couldn't even, I got to a point where I couldn't get up. I couldn't even roll myself over in the bed. I couldn't, nothing. It was just, I was going down for the count. And I remember laying there praying, and I said, Lord. And I couldn't even form my words outwardly because I was so sick. But in my head, in my mind, in my spirit, you know. I said, Lord. I said, I know. And I couldn't even form my words properly because my thinking wasn't even right. But this is basically what I was saying to the Lord. And I said, Lord, I know you didn't send me here to Texas. You 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 got us all the way here, 2,500 miles, and we the car broke down and all this stuff. You didn't send me here for no reason. I know you sent me here because I insisted I wasn't coming, and you made a way for me to know clearly where you wanted me to go. It was an absolute miracle. I said, so here I am, and I don't believe you're just going to let me lay here and die. And the next day I started getting better, and the next day, then the next day, and the Lord healed me. And I feel better now than I did before I got sick. And so uh, I, I'm not saying that I, I don't have my moments with different things, you know, and that, that kind of thing, you know. Like I said, I got the issues with my hip, hip like some people and that kind of thing once in a while. Not all the time, but, but anyway. So, uh, you know, <clears throat> the Lord, uh, he can get us through there, even though it may be the shadow of death that you're at, death's door. God can help you through. And not only that, but it says that though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'm not going to fear no evil. In other words, if I'm serving the Lord, I don't have to fear death. Because all it is is my passage into where the Lord is, and I'm going to be living forever because I put my faith and trust in Him. So we don't have to fear any evil if we're serving God. We don't have to fear the other side. And so if you've got a fear in your heart of dying, then I'm going to ask you why. Because if you say you're saved, again, I'm going to ask you again, why? Why are you afraid? And what I'm going to say to you next, you may not like. I think that it possibly could be because you still haven't got everything straightened out with the Lord like you know you should. And so you, got, you feel something inside you. Now, if it could be, might be, that you just haven't grown enough in your faith, I'm going to instruct you with a verse passage of scriptures in the book of Jude. Jude was uh, Jesus' brother, half-brother. And, uh, and, and I mention that because the book of James was written by Jesus' other half-brother, James. Uh, I mention that because 
a lot of people don't they they don't understand that when they hear that now jesus you know he was the firstborn of of mary we don't worship mary and when i say that i'm talking to you catholics that might be listening we don't pray to mary neither and you're gonna have to stop that you're gonna flat out have to stop that do you understand that's that's not what the scripture tells you it says you do all things in the name of the lord you you talk to him you can't get to the father but through jesus yeah, you're not supposed to be talking to these angels and talking to Mary. Yeah, you're supposed to be doing that. She was in there on the day of Pentecost and had to have that Holy Ghost just like anybody else. And so you stop that. You don't need to be doing that. And you're going to find yourself uh, with much more victory and, and all of that and then open yourself, opening yourself up to receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost, which I know you're not going to be taught up there in the Catholic Church. Now, I'm not being mean, and I'm not being hateful, I'm not slamming. I, I know of some people that uh, used to be the, uh, you know, used to be a part of the Catholic Church, and God baptized them with the Holy Ghost, and there's some of the most wonderful Holy Ghost-filled people you ever saw walk the face of the earth. So I think, you know, Catholics, they can, you know, if they get baptized with the Holy Ghost and baptized in Jesus' name, they can really um, be a wonderful apostolic uh, Christian serving the Lord with all their heart. So, you know, the scripture is saying here, though I walk through the valley of shadow and death, I fear no evil, for thou art with me. You don't have to worry about the Lord not being with you because he said, I'm never going to leave you nor forsake you. Hang on to the Lord and he'll hang on to you. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Now there's things about that, and I did a study about this one time, the rod and the staff, because they're two different things. The rod is used for correction, but the staff, you know, it's got that kind of hook on the end of it where you could, if a sheep were to, you know, kind of slip off a little cliff and they're about ready to fall and they can take that staff and pull them up to safety, you see. And uh, then verse 5, that was verse 4. Now verse 5 of Psalm 23. We're almost done with Psalm 23. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with all, all and my cup runneth over. Now here's some things. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies. I've seen many times over where God's people, they seem to be beaten down and, uh, you know, seem like people just, uh, I've been through this. I'm one of them, but I've seen other people have them go through this too. Where it looked like the enemy was going to be on top and they just, they're going to take you under. They're going to drag you under and they're going to, they, they just, you know, they, some, some enemies, they just love, they see a dog down and they kick them on top of that. You see. And, uh, you know, this reminds me of those times. He said, I will prepare a table. Be, uh, be, uh, he said, thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies. In other words, God is going to show and reveal uh, so many times I've seen. It. Now, I'm not talking about financial blessings. That can be. That absolutely can be. I've seen that happen. But I've seen where there's other blessings too that not necessarily like this one sister. I will never forget her as long as I live. And I've talked about her before. I won't mention her name or anything. But she had come into the church that I was a part of for so long. Pentecostal church I was a part of so long. And uh, this young lady, she's in her 20s. She had three children. Her children had been taken away from her by her parents because she had severe emotional problems, mental problems, and had been in an uh, institution at one point. And somebody invited her to church, and she came down the altar, and she got prayed for, and God baptized her with the Holy Ghost. And I'm going to tell you what God did a number on her, and just absolutely her life turned completely around. God healed her, and uh, she was able within like six months to get her children back. 
she met a wonderful man in the church and they ended up getting married and had another child themselves it was just a beautiful family god did a wonderful work and so uh you know and so that and they not you know they're not wealthy or nothing like that but that whole thing you can see look she submitted herself and 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 there's all kind of people that just uh you know would look like an enemy in a sense you know well and i'm not saying that the parents did shouldn't have taken the child i don't mean that because sometimes it's just it's just the way that it is a situation negates for it to be done but what i'm saying is sometimes people uh, i've seen i've seen people uh, i've seen gang members i've seen uh, you know, people like that and, and just different people like this that carry a life of, of crime and all that kind of, and God save them. Well, they got enemies. And then their lives turn around. And I've seen people who had such horrible lives and God turned them around completely. And literally some of these folks called them to preach and their whole life turns around. And the whole, uh, all of their enemies are looking in and saying, wow, they, they're not like they used to be. They've got a life of peace. They don't have to worry about being shot at. They don't have to worry about somebody coming in their house and stealing from them or somebody chasing them down or whatever because their whole life is turned around, you see. And so God can prepare a table before our enemies in so many different ways. Now, I've seen the same thing happen financially. I've seen that too where God has taken somebody just from you know such a mess financially and then as they submit to God, live for the Lord and the Lord blessing them in a great way uh so god can do that and i've seen him do it but i'll tell you what in no uncertain terms god always does it in a spiritual way if you submit to him god is going to uh, allow spiritual blessings to pour out upon you like nobody's business if you will serve him and really get your mind uh, made up to honor him and his word and god will do a great work in your life and so verse six uh, well, let's finish verse 5. It says, My cup runneth over. It says, Thou anointest my head with oil. And and uh, you know what oil represented is a, the high priest, I think of Aaron, you know, Moses' brother. Uh, the, the oil that was poured upon him as he was being anointed um, as the high priest, first high priest in the scripture. And um, I'm thinking about that. And I, and I think about how God, he sends the power of the Holy Ghost and, and it just... When you get filled with the Holy Ghost, I'm gonna tell you what. There's not a part of you that don't know it's there. That that you don't know that it's in there, and that you don't know. I remember when I got filled with the Holy. Ghost, I remember. Oh my goodness, I remember so clearly when I got baptized with the Holy Ghost, and I was on the floor. I was. Uh, I had went down the altar, and I'll tell you what. God filled me with that Holy Ghost, and I was speaking in tongues, and I and I I tell you what, the Spirit of God was all over me. I mean, from the top of my head, hallelujah, thank you, Lord, from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet, yes, sir, and uh, I remember, you know, that so clearly, and it was such a, such a momentous moment that I can tell you about it now, and I was 16 then, and I'm 62 now, going on 63, and I remember like I know it like it was just yesterday, and so, you know, that, that Holy Ghost, being baptized that Holy Ghost, you know, it's like God's anointing and the oil that flowed over Aaron and down his beard and all of those things. God's going to cover you. The Lord wants to cover you with that Holy Ghost. Yes, he does. And uh, he's able to do that even now in this generation with the young people that are coming up. They are so desperately 
Folks, hear me now. They're so desperately in need of being baptized with the Holy Ghost. But the Bible tells me in Acts chapter 5 and verse 32 that God gives the Holy Ghost to those that obey him, you see. You ain't going to get no Holy Ghost if you don't obey him in, in repentance. you got to repent of your sins and turn from your wicked ways and get right with God so that he can do a work in your life. Now let's go to verse 6 of Psalm 23, and then we're going to go into Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So verse 6, uh, it says, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me. Goodness and mercy. Goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. As, uh, the whole time you living for God, goodness and mercy. David said, going to follow me. And it says, And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Hmm. Really? David, you, you don't even have the Holy Ghost being poured out to you yet. And I mean, in your day and time, and yet he believes that he's going to live in the house of God forever. Don't you know that same blessing is to you and I? The goodness and mercy of God is going to follow us the whole entire life we live on this earth. God is going to allow his mercy and goodness to follow us, and we will live with him forever. There's no two ways about that. Now, I would like, if you would, uh, I want to give you, uh, that's, that's one of my favorite verses of scripture, or passages of scripture, if not, if not, my favorite in the Old Testament, what I call the Old Testament. But I want to give you some of my, I mean, there's other ones that I have. I, it was, you know, it's kind of hard to pick because there's so many good ones in the Old Testament too. But but I had to pick something. Otherwise, I'd be talking for hours and hours. And trust me, I can do that. All right. So uh, let's go into the book of Matthew. And uh, I, I want to give you two passages of Scripture out of Matthew, two out of Mark, two out of Luke, and two out of John. So I'm going to try to move this through a little bit. Uh, quicker I don't know but I'm going to do my best chapter 3 verses 13 through 15 and this is Jesus baptism and I, I don't know that's just something I picked out as one of my favorites because I just uh, it, it, it thrills me to know that the Lord did that as an example to us because Jesus didn't have to be baptized you know he had no sin we do and so we need to be baptized but but he had no need for it. But yet he did it, and he said he did it to fulfill all righteousness. So this gives us an understanding that baptism is a righteous thing to do. It really is. And so uh, chapter 3 of the book of Matthew, and we're looking at verses 13 through 15, and this is what the Word of God reads. It says, Then cometh Jesus from Galilee to Jordan unto John, that was his cousin, John, and he's known as John the Baptist. That don't mean he was a Baptist part of the Baptist convention group or whatever. That's not what that means. Some people actually think that. I don't know why, other than the fact they don't study and they don't know what they're talking about. But what it meant was he was one that baptized people. He water baptized people, so he was a baptizer. So then cometh Jesus from Galilee to Jordan unto John. That was the river where they were, River Jordan, to be baptized of him. But John forbade him. He said, no, I don't want to do this, Lord. He forbade him, saying, I have need to be baptized of thee. <clears throat> and comest thou to me? In other words, it confused John, because he knew Jesus had no sin. And he said, I, I should be baptized of you. you. I shouldn't be baptized in you, Lord. And But Jesus said in verse... Uh, 15 it says and Jesus answered and said unto him suffer it to be so now and so that word suffer it means let it be so is what that means a lot of people don't know that's what that means but it just means let it be so so suffer it to be so now for thus it becometh us to uh, 
becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he suffered him. In other words, he said, look, listen, John, you know what it means to walk righteously. He said, and this is part of the righteous way. And so John said, okay, I'm going to do it then. Because this is, this is uh, you know, John understood that. Because John preached repentance. He understood that repentance, that was what his baptism was about. You know, uh, the, uh, it was a baptism of repentance. When you study, you find out that's what John was baptizing. They were not baptizing in Jesus' name yet until the day of Pentecost. That's when they started baptizing in Jesus' name. But prior to that, they had been baptizing uh, unto John's baptism, which was uh, unto repentance, excuse me, unto repentance which was John's baptism. And so um, once Jesus explained, he said, this is for righteousness sake. Let it be so because um, this is to fulfill those things. And, and it helps us to understand this is fulfilling a righteous uh, thing to be baptized. Now, I'll tell you, there's a lot of uh, people out there that are gonna, um, they're gonna disagree with what I just said, but it doesn't matter. You can disagree all you want. You can be wrong all you want, but but the reason why I say it that way, I'm not trying to be prideful or nothing like that, but Jesus has already given us the answer, so why are we going to argue with it? You know, what he says goes, so that's there's just nothing left to be said when Jesus says something. All right, so Matthew 5. Now let's move on to chapter 5 and verse 9. And, uh, you know, this this passage here, I, I love this this. Well, this verse, I love this verse because it's something that I've taught my children so much as they were growing up, uh, because I said, we, we need peace in our home. And I said, and, and we've got to be an example of, uh, we've got to be the examples of peace to the world. We can't be fighters and, and all of that kind of thing. No, we've got to be, learn to walk in peace with people. And so this is something that Jesus said. Now, chapter five is known as what's called the Beatitudes. And the reason that it's known that, if you ever hear anybody say that, they say, oh, this is a chapter of the Beatitudes, is because a lot of them start with, blessed are the whoever. Blessed are, blessed are, blessed are. And so they take that letter B from there because they say, it, you know, a lot of times, a lot of these verses start with the letter B. So they call it the Beatitudes because it talks about our attitudes, our behaviors, how our attitude is or should be as a Christian. So, uh, chapter 5 and verse 9, it said, Blessed are the peacemakers. Now, this is not just anybody. These are people that make peace. And don't tell me you make peace by fighting. You, you know, that that's don't even make any sense. Y'all understand? Blessed are the peacemakers, for they, hello, they, shall be called the children of God. The peacemakers are called the children of God. So let's keep that in mind because that's the words of Jesus. You hear? That's what Jesus said. He said, uh, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. You better hear him. Don't you go staring up no trouble. You better learn to be a peacemaker, not a troublemaker. Amen. All right, so uh, now we're going to go on to Mark chapter 2. Now, now I'm going to go in the next book, Mark chapter 2. And you know, a lot of people don't know this. His name was actually John Mark, but uh, the book is called Mark, and he's known as Mark, but his, his actual name was John Mark. Uh, chapter 2, that's just a little tidbit of information I learned, and I'll just pass it along. So, 
chapter 2, and I want to read verses 27 and 28. All right, and, and this is another one I found uh, a, a blessing to me because uh, the Lord is talking about the Sabbath. Now we, uh, and then I'm going to go into uh, Mark chapter 3. This is Mark chapter 2. But, uh, and then I'm going to go to Luke chapter 4. And all of these are not Luke chapter, I am going to go to Luke chapter 4, but not, that does not uh, connect with these two. Uh, so Sorry, I didn't mean to confuse nobody. But anyway, Mark chapter 2 and Mark chapter 3 is what I was meaning. They kind of connect. Well, they do connect. Um, so, here in 27, uh, let's see, do we want to, let's go up to 20, 23. All right, so chapter 2 of the book of Mark and 23. I, I originally was just going to go 27, 28, but let's go up to 23. So it says, and it came to pass uh, that he went, Jesus, he went through the cornfields on the Sabbath day, and his disciples began as they went to pluck the ears of the corn. All right? Now, that generally would be known as work on the Sabbath, which he didn't do. But there's something here that Jesus points out. And so verse 24, And the Pharisees said unto him, Behold, why uh, do they on the Sabbath day that which is not lawful? They said, You're not supposed to be working on the Sabbath. But they weren't working. That's not what they were doing. They weren't trying to earn no money. They were hungry. And so verse 25, he said unto them, Have you never read what David did when he had need? See, they have a need, and he's explaining. Look, there's a need here. So the Sabbath, the laws of the Sabbath certainly should be, Jesus is saying, look, I'm not saying the laws of the Sabbath shouldn't be uh, respected. But also the law of the Sabbath is that when there's a need, that need takes over everything. It is something that uh, stands out and above everything. So you've got to meet the need. So he said, when he had need and was hungered, and so they have a need and they're hungry. Jesus is explaining uh, this to the Pharisees about his disciples, why they're getting the corn. They're not getting the corn to go take it down to the farmer's market and sell it and make money. No, they're hungry and they need to eat. They have that need. And uh, so he said when, when he, David had need and he was hungry, he and they that were with him, because David had people with him, and, and they ate that which was not necessarily law, lawful, but because of the need that was there and the fact that they were hungry, that uh, takes over. You say, well, why? They're breaking the law. No, because God integrated mercy into the law as well. If you study, you find that over and over and over. And that's the reason why so many people, they get tripped up and they don't understand those type of things. But Jesus explains this to them. Now, some people, even though Jesus would explain these things, they just blind as a bat and they still don't see it because they just want to be stuck where they are. So you can just stay stuck where you are if you don't want to listen. Uh, so now, so verse 26, it's how he went into, now he's going to go into more detail. He said, how he went into the house of God in the days of Abiathar, the high priest, and did eat the showbread, which is not lawful to eat, but for the priest, and gave it also to them that were with him. He said, look, this is all only what the priest was supposed to eat. But because there was a need there, and because they were hungry, 
this takes over precedence, mercy, because God wants us to allow mercy to be uh, enveloped in everything that we do. Mercy has got to be a part of that. So, verse 27, he said unto them, uh, the Sabbath was not was made not, excuse me, let me reread, read that. The Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. So the Sabbath was used to do good for us, to, uh, you know, to, for us to be able to rest, but also showing mercy and kindness and, and uh, being able to uh, feed those that are hungry. That's really the thrust of the Sabbath and all. And Jesus is our Sabbath. He is our rest. He is the one we rest in. And the Lord, uh, you know, he wants us to be merciful to others that have needs and uh, not allowing the laws of the Sabbath to take over, but the mercy of it and that doesn't mean that you you would be disobeying no because the mercy is going to trump over that uh not not causing disobedience but it's going to trump over that because you're going to fulfill the ultimate of that uh, very law and so uh verse 27 he said the sabbath was made for man and not man for the sabbath the sabbath is there to do good to us not to cause us uh, trouble and struggles Verse 28, therefore, the son of man is Lord also of the Sabbath. He said, look, I'm in charge of the Sabbath. <laughs> That's what the Lord was saying here. He said, look, I'm in charge here. And then I have to, he's God in the flesh. He said, I'm going to tell you what I'm saying about the Sabbath. So you don't have to listen because y'all don't understand, you see. All right. So I, I really enjoy that because, you know, we are known as, um, apostolic pentecostals that uh, we observe the sabbath in that uh, we worship on the sabbath and a lot of times people uh, that's why we have saturday service uh, uh, we worship on the sabbath but a lot of people get so confused about some things and they misinterpret that in thinking uh you know uh things that ought not to be thinking and i try to give people those directions and guidance that uh, you know, want to be a part of our ministry, and I want people to understand. I don't want people misinterpreting these scriptures. I don't want people getting confused about things. And so, um, anyway, so now if we go on to chapter 3, uh, you're going to see a little bit more. Uh, Jesus brings it into the light about the Sabbath a little bit better, uh, 1 through 5. And it says here in chapter 3 of the book of Mark, because here's the second passage I got going on in the book of Mark. It says in chapter 3, um, one through five and he entered again into the synagogue and there was a man there which had a withered hand can you imagine and uh and they watched him now they're talking about these pharisees and all that these you know there's a lot of people that uh they've got a lot of religiosity now, when people look at me and they listen to me, a lot of times they say, oh, you're a very religious person. But there's a difference in having religion and having religiosity. You say, well, why Why you say, how do you, how do you deem that? Because the scripture does say that there is pure and undefiled religion. The Bible actually says that. I remember saying that to somebody one time because they said, oh, religion is not right. And I don't, this, I said, well, the Bible says that there is such thing as pure and uh, undefiled religion. And they disagreed. with. I said, it's right here in the Bible. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's not that religion in and of itself is wrong. It's when it is undefiled. It's when it's been defiled. It's supposed to be undefiled. It's when it's unpure that it's wrong, not 
uh, you know, when it's pure, it's right and it's good. So Jesus is going to explain that because he's saying, look, it's okay to have this uh, religious thought and understand about the Sabbath and we want to be obey obedient. And you, you know, like me, I, I'm, I explained to me, I said, look, there are some things that I'm going to hold back on doing on the Sabbath because I want to focus on the things that God wants me to see and do for that day. And, uh, you know, so that's going to help to uh, navigate you through things and, you, and it'll teach you to be obedient to the very things. You know, the Bible says that the Lord's going to write the laws in our hearts. So, so we are going to, uh, you know, respect uh, that in a specific way. And, and it could be that, you know, those... Uh, who worship on Sunday? They've got. They call that their uh, Sabbath day arrest. A lot of Christians do that. Call it that way, and all. And I'm not. I'm not going to um, say that that can't be because uh, for you, uh, because uh, Bible says some will look at certain days a certain way. I, but uh, for us, uh, we do honor the Sabbath and we try to be respectful to those things. But we certainly, in no way, shape, or form. Uh, want to bind people up to where they cannot uh, understand that Jesus gives us deliverance. He is uh, from the works of the law. And He is our Sabbath. Jesus is our rest. He is the one that brings the peace and the goodness and the kindness to us and the mercy. And He wants that to exude from us. It's it's to, to come out of us. It's a, he put His Spirit into us so that His Spirit works out of us and uses our body to do those things that we need to do in being kind to others and, and, and showing mercy to others and all those things that, that the Lord calls us to do in the Word of God. And so uh, we got chapter 3 here. The Lord's showing us so clearly what it means because these Pharisees, they're so stuck in religiosity that they will even look at Jesus healing somebody as, as working on the Sabbath instead of looking at it as a hand of mercy being given to this man, you see. And so chapter 3, it says, And he entered again into the synagogue, and there was a man there which had a withered hand, verse 2, and they watched him, these old ones with the religiosity, whether he would heal him on the Sabbath day, that they might accuse him, you see. So they have got their minds so twisted, they don't even understand what the Sabbath day is about and what it's for. I've heard of some uh, doctors that are saved. A lot of times what they do, if they do have to work on uh, Saturday, sometimes they try to get their shifts off so that they can, uh, if, if they honor the Saturday as the Sabbath, they try their best to get those days off as many times as they can. But in those times that they do work, a lot of times they will donate what they've made for that day, but also looking at the fact that they're ministering to these people on that day as well. And so, uh, you know, some people that uh, go a little bit further uh, in their thoughts about the Sabbath, uh, such as the Seventh-day Adventist, Adventist, or whatever you pronounce it, and a few other. They might go into a lot more um, detail about things concerning the Sabbath. But, uh, but you know, the Lord has redeemed us from the law, but, but we still honor uh, the essence of what God is saying, the spirit of the law, the spirit that's behind the law. And so 
it is that they didn't know how to do that because they were looking to accuse him. They were watching and seeing, is he going to heal? Well, the reason why they were wondering if he was going to heal because they knew he went around healing people. They knew that of Jesus. So they thought, well, we're just going to see. Is he going to do this on the Sabbath? Not even thinking to their head, look, he can heal this guy, and this guy's going to have a blessing, and this is going to be a good thing on the Sabbath. They're not seeing it that way. They are so stuck in religiosity that they can't go beyond those uh, thoughts and look at pure and undefiled religion uh, as, as the way to go. And so it says he... he he said unto the man which had the withered hand, verse 3, chapter 3 of the book of Mark, stand forth. He said, come on, stand up. So he did. And uh, verse 4 says, he saith unto him, and or he saith unto them, pay attention. So now he's going to turn around and talk to them. Because he knows everybody's thoughts. And he said, is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath days or to do evil? It was a question. He said, which one's, all, which one's lawful? Well, they knew the answer to that. They knew the answer to that. And uh, they knew that the answer to that was, there was only one answer. And if you didn't say the right answer, if you didn't say the one answer that it was, you was going to get it right, wrong. And you're going to hear, nah, not correct. You know, because there was only one answer to that. You do good on the Sabbath, you see. And so he said, is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath days or to do evil? He said, what are we supposed to be doing on the Sabbath days? Now, I will make this point. The Bible does say that Jesus had a custom of going into the synagogue on the Sabbath. And so we, we honor that and we respect that and we, we obey that ourselves as obedience to that. I don't, uh, you know, I, I, I tell anyone that's a part of our ministry, I say, I don't want you going around... Uh, talking bad about nobody or saying anything about anybody who might have a different day that's their worship days or whatever. I said, but this is what we're going to obey. And so uh, then he, he said, he said, is it lawful to do good on the seven days or do either? He said, uh, to save life or to kill. But they held their peace. He said, what are we supposed to do? Are we supposed to save a life? See, they knew that. Because even if somebody's cow fell off on the, in the ditch on the Sabbath, and their neighbor, they saw that they're struggling trying to get that cow out of the ditch, you say, well, why would that make any difference? Because that could be their livelihood as far as how they feed their family. And if that cow got stuck in there and couldn't get out and they died in there, they could lose what was the use uh, of helping to farm their family to feed their family. So it was, it was a very important thing. But they made sure, uh, they said, you know, Jesus even made that point. He said, you know, if you see something like that, you know full well you go out and help him. So why can't we help this man here in the synagogue? You, you know, uh, that's the whole point of what Jesus, or the thrust, really, of what Jesus is trying to say. And then verse 5, he, he basically shut their mouth because it says they held their peace. Verse 5, and when he had looked around about on them with anger. Don't you tell me Jesus don't get upset. He sure did. He sure enough did. Because you have to understand, Jesus wants us to take hold of mercy. You've got to be loving and merciful. This is going to anger the Lord if we don't do that. The Lord wants us to be loving and kind. Now, so it says, being grieved for the hardness of their heart. This is the reason why he was so angry. 
because their heart was so hard. Is your heart so hard that y'all don't understand how to treat people kindly? Do, do are you are you are you you know you 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 say you're not racist. You you say you're not. Uh, and when I say that, I don't mean just skin color, and I don't mean just. I mean, like you, you know, you're racist towards the poor. If they don't drive one of the nicest cars, you don't want to be seen with them because they're driving some run-down old car that you never even heard of the name anymore because they don't make it anymore. And it's come, you know, put-put-put-put-put-put in the parking lot and smoking like a crazy thing. And you you riding up in a Cadillac, in the brand-new Cadillac, and you don't want to be seen with them. You don't want, oh, no, I don't, want to, I don't even want to say praise the Lord to them when they arrive because I don't want anybody to think that I got anything to do with them. Well... Who are you? You 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 being stuck up, and you you being you being something the Lord don't want you to be. You better get that unstuck out of you, because the Lord don't like that kind of thing. He's gonna see your heart as hard, and he's gonna look at you with anger. So you better get over your little self, because you got pride going on. And I'd say if that's that Cadillac got you going on, or whatever else you got going on, Lincoln, or or whatever else you bought, or Mercedes, or Saab, or Volvo, whatever other thing you got going on trying to show off. If that's what's going on with you, you better get rid of that thing. You better sell that thing, go get yourself a Ford or a Chevy or something. Or get yourself some you better do something. Because you you you're gonna anger the Lord if you get yourself stuck in the wrong direction, this wrong place and treating people like y'all not. So anyway, the Lord was angry, it says in chapter five, and it says, Being grieved with the hardness of their heart. This is what he said. He said unto the man, stretch forth your hand. He's like, I'm going to do this anyway. I don't care if they're upset. He said, I'm so tired of this nonsense. He said, stretch forth your hand. And he stretched it out, and his hand was restored whole as the other. And see, they knew this. That's what, it don't make no sense, because Jesus was a healer. They knew that. They could see all these miracles that he did. It, it's, it's just astounding how blind that people can be when you tell them look jesus can really change your life and jesus can can help you get through any of your struggles and people will be angry with you if you tell them that jesus can deliver them out of their struggles they will become angry well guess what the lord is angry too because the lord can deliver and you won't believe because your heart's too hard or your heart's too hard excuse me <laughs> I got that word twisted. Those words twisted. But your heart, your heart gets so hard that God can't get through. Huh? You know what the Bible say? Break up, break up the fallow ground. You know what that? That's like that hard ground that's so crusty. You gotta get something. Plucking away at that ground until you get down to the soft dirt where God can, uh, you know, soften your heart. <coughs> because, you know, I mean. <clears throat> the Lord, you know, he can only do so much with you if you're just going to refuse and allow your heart to get hard. Because the Lord made it clear that some places where they just refuse to have faith, he just dusts his feet off and walk on and said, I'm done. And so we got, we got to think about those things. Now, so the Lord healed, and we see uh, the goodness of God and how he's wanting us to understand. Now that, uh, I, I, you know, at the same time, I don't want somebody uh, stepping on me either and saying, well, you know, and trying to tell me that I don't, you know, shouldn't be leading 
those that are part of this ministry and the uh, worshiping on the Sabbath and all that. Why are you going to come at me? If I'm not going to come at you for worshiping on Saturday, I've actually, or Sunday, I've actually known somebody that had told me one time that they have their worship services on Friday. And the reason why they did that is because the building was being used for other things. It was what they could afford. And so it was the only day that was available. So Wednesday nights is when they had their services. You see? So you got to have mercy and you got to have an understanding about things and not letting the letter of the law getting to you where there's mercy. But but you're finally going to have to understand that there's, um, there's a place of obedience and there's a place of also uh, not letting religiosity get a part of you where you can't even respect your brothers and sisters that may worship on Sunday. Well, I say the same thing back in this direction. Don't judge me because I worship on Saturday and don't uh, because I, I'm honor, honoring the Sabbath and don't look at me as uh, what, you know, some people, they read that verse and talk about the weak, oh, well, they're the weak brothers or whatever. No, that's not what it is at all. It has nothing to do with being weak or, or anything of the sort. We used to worship on Sunday and then there came a point after much study, I decided to, to change it up and uh, for many, many years we've been worshiping on the Sabbath now. But, uh, you know, again, like I said, the Lord wants us to, to utilize the Sabbath in a proper manner and showing mercy and kindness and love to others uh, as we certainly should do. And so now I want to go to Luke, Luke chapter, the book of Luke. And we're going to go on to Luke chapter 4. I know this is taking a little while, but y'all have been with me for some long podcasts sometimes. You may not listen to the whole thing. I don't know. Because honestly, folks, at this point, now this is our 50th podcast, I still haven't looked at and uh, I mean, I don't even think anybody can make any comments, and even if they did, I, I just don't, uh, I don't look. And you say, well, why not? Well, why bother? Because the thing of it is, somebody's always going to have something to say. And so many people now, they are so full of hate and anger and uh um, just a, a real disrespect for the things of God and for those that want to walk in holiness. They just can't stand it. It drives them nuts. And I know why, because it's a conviction in their heart. Amen. All right, so <clears throat> Luke, Luke chapter 4. We're going to be looking at Luke chapter 4, verses 14 through 21. And I'm going to try to move a little quicker. I know I said that a while ago, but I really i am trying to do my best. And I like this passage of Scripture because of the fact that it identifies in the scripture out of the book of Isaiah. Um, this is our Lord. This is our Messiah. And so the scripture says, And Jesus returned, starting with verse 14, and we're going to go down to verse 21. It says, And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit into Galilee. <clears throat> Excuse me. And this is after the Lord had battled with the devil in the uh, wilderness and all, and he came back full of power, full of that uh, spirit of power inside of him and it says uh, and there went out uh, a fame of him through all through all the region round about so he was becoming well known verse 15 and he taught in this in their synagogues being glorified of all wonderful thing he was a great teacher and uh, verse 16 and it says and he came to nazareth where he had been brought up and his custom as his custom was all right. Now that word means this is what Jesus did on a regular basis. He went into the synagogue on the Sabbath. 
So we worship on, on the Sabbath. Now we do have Wednesday night Bible study that we do as well. Uh, you know, and then we do these podcasts on Tuesdays and Fridays. And, and uh, sometimes we've even added in some extra uh, service here and there for different reasons. But anyway. So it says, as his custom was in verse 16, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read because, uh, you know, Jesus was called, you know, you've heard uh, one of them call him Rabboni, which means rabbi or teacher, translated teacher. And so, uh, you know, it was different than in that they were going to the synagogue and, and you notice it says here that the fame went abroad of him and all that. So he's becoming known as a teacher. So he goes in the synagogue. Well, he's known to be a teacher. So they will uh, have a, a teacher to stand up and teach, to speak the word of God. And and so this is what happened. In verse 17, it says, And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah. So these are rolled up scrolls, and they give it to the one that's going to read and, and talk. And... Uh, it says here, it says, And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. So he went to looking, and then he found it. In verse 18, this is what he read out of the book of, uh, it says here, Isaiah, but that's Isaiah. It's another way of saying Isaiah. Uh, verse 18, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He's reading out of that. And this is a specific uh, passage in, book of, in the book of Isaiah. Uh, it says, And the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. Now poor, that means certainly physically poor. Yes, literally poor, but also poor in spirit. When you look the word up, it can be depressed and uh, you know emotionally broken and all of those things. So uh, you fit in there. You may be the wealthiest person in the world and have so many broken down emotional feelings. Listen, the Lord is talking to you too. You're broken down. You feel like you don't even want to live anymore. You know, I can think of many, many people that were, um, they were uh, very wealthy people and they committed suicide because they were so broken down and depressed and poor. Listen, if that's where you are and who you are, Jesus loves you and he don't want you to take your life. You know, because did not the Lord say on the Sabbath is not to do good and, and even to, you know, is it good to, to give life, to help bring life or to kill? Well, the obvious answer, because the Bible says choose life. The Lord wants to give you life. Don't let the devil take it from you. Please be encouraged. The Lord wants to help you through whatever the struggle is that you got going on. And so this is what that means. He says, the anointed, he said, He has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He wants you to know that this word about him is for you. He loves you and he wants to help you. Uh, he wants to get you through whatever the pain and suffering and emotional problem that you're struggling with. God can do that. He certainly can. And then the verse of 18 goes on to say, He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. Are you brokenhearted? The Bible said Jesus came to heal the brokenhearted. And then it says to preach deliverance to the captives. Are you bound up by something, whether it be drugs or alcohol, or, or, or maybe you're addicted to sex, or maybe you're addicted to pornography, or maybe you, uh, you know, there's so many things that people, people are addicted to cigarettes, people are addicted, so many things that destroy us, just literally destroy us. And God wants to bring that deliverance. And so Jesus 
Uh, it goes on to read and it says, recovering the sight of the blind. God wants to give physical sight to the blind. And he will do that one day. If you are literally physically blind uh, in this day, God may not give you the, the sight in this day and age. He can do that. Certainly, absolutely. The Lord healed many blind people and he can still do that today. His power. I, I know. I have seen people. I, I've seen where people could not hear and God opened their ears. And I, I've seen so many things that God has done. I've watched him do it. And so God can certainly heal the blind and, and open the deaf ears and all that. But sometimes what God does is he allows things to continue on for another reason. But he will eventually heal you completely over yonder with a new body. Amen. So you can trust that that's going to happen either over here or over yonder. God's going to do. And so it says recovering the sight of the blind. But that can also mean your spiritual blindness. God, uh, he can literally take that spiritual blindness off your eyes and uh, literally restore you so that you can see the truth of God in Jesus Christ. Amen. And then it goes on to say, uh, Jesus read and it said, to set at liberty those that are bruised. You've been hurting because people beat you down and, and you've suffered under the hands of so many people and people have done things that have just absolutely broke you down. The Lord said that he's there to set you at liberty, to set you free from those things. Amen and hallelujah. And then verse 19, it says, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. In other words, I'm here now. And the Lord is still available. This is the acceptable year of the Lord. He's been doing this for over 2,000 years now, folks. And the acceptable year of the Lord is right here, right now. The Lord is still available. He still wants to save you if you will accept him. In verse 20, it says, He closed the book and he gave it again to the minister and sat down. And the eyes of all uh, them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him because he's supposed to now talk about what he read. Uh, and he began to say unto them, this is what he said, This day, is this scripture fulfilled in your ears? Amen and hallelujah. And so what a thing to say. What a mighty thing to say. He said, look, this is being fulfilled in your ears right now. Right now. And so that to me is a wonderful passage of scripture. I love that scripture because it says so much. There's so much that's packed into that verse and it's just so exciting and then uh, the last one that um, well not the last one but the last one in the book of luke and then we're going to go to john i got two in the book of john and then we're going to be done so luke chapter four um or not luke chapter four i'm sorry chapter six we just read chapter four chapter six and verses 27 through 36 and uh Jesus is talking. Now, this is one passage of Scripture. I, I love it. I, I love it because, uh, you know, Jesus is really trying to teach us something that's so hard for us as human beings because we got this idea that we're supposed to only love those that love us and, and hate our enemies. And the Lord's got a different way of looking at things. And he wants us to understand his way and to obey his way of thinking. Amen. And so in Luke chapter 6, verses 27 through 36, this is what the Lord says. But I say unto you which hear, love your enemies, do good to them which hate you. Can you imagine? Do good to them that hate you. Bless them that curse you. They're going to curse you. Bless them. And pray for them which despitefully use you. You being used? Pray for them. Verse 29. And unto him that smiteth thee on the one cheek, offer also the other. 
All right, now that don't mean that, you know, the Lord's not trying to say, look, ex just continually allow yourself to be uh, abused. I remember one time I told somebody, they said something to me, and I said, because people misunderstand that sometimes. I said, look, you only got two cheeks, you see. But God is asking us to be humble. God is asking us uh, to know that sometimes, what he's saying is sometimes you may be hurt. You, you may go through hurt. Your enemies may put you through hurt. And let it be so because God is going to get you through it. In other words, don't turn around and, and try to get over on them. You know, some people say, I'm going to get revenge. Don't do that. This is basically what the Lord's trying to say. Don't try to get revenge. Because God sees it and he said, vengeance is his. He said, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. That's what he says. Let, let God do. And I know this is true. Now, sometimes I've seen that with people that were my enemies and I tried to obey this. And it's not always easy to do, but you got to do it. And uh, and then I saw the Lord turn things around. I, But sometimes it was like a long while and I said, Lord, I'm doing what you're saying, but what's happening here? And then eventually the Lord turned it around. And uh, he said, so verse 29, he said, And say unto him, It smiteth thee on, on the left, on the one cheek, uh, offer the other also, also, offer also the other. And him that taketh away thy cloak forbid uh, not him to take thy coat also. And these are two forms of clothing. I'm not going to get into all that, but because uh, I'm already running so far behind. Uh, but anyway, he said, If we're going to take one, give him the other. And then in <clears throat> verse 30, it says, Give to every man that asketh thee, and uh, of him that taketh away thy goods, ask them not again. In other words, you know, don't give to expect to get back, you know. And then verse 31, it says, I mean, if you're going to give, give to give, and don't give to give back. And then in verse 31, it says, and, and as you would that men should do unto you, do also unto them likewise. Now, this is not meaning that if you're abusive to yourself, that you're going to go be abusive to them. The, the thrust behind this, the understanding behind this is, we generally are going to do good to ourselves because we're going to get up and we're going to feed ourselves and we're going to take care of ourselves and try to clean, you know, get ourselves cleaned up and get dressed and that, that kind of thing. Now, if a person has a really low self-esteem, they're going to have to, when they come to the Lord, people are going to have to encourage them to bring themselves up to at least have some uh, good, healthy self-esteem. And then God can uh, go from there and, and help them to understand this verse a, a, a better, certainly. And as you would that men should do unto you, do also unto them likewise. That don't mean if they slap you, you turn around and slap them. That's not what that's saying. You know, when, when you know, you want good done to you, then do good to others. You know, what you want done good, you know, if you want people being kind to you, then be kind to others. And the Lord gives us a step further because he said, love your enemies anyway. And so... Verse 32, it says, If you love them which love you, what thank have you? He said, if all you're going to do is just love those that love you, there's no real thanks in that. He said, for sinners also love those that have, love them. And that's true. Amen. And atheists can love their children too, you know. All right, verse 33. And if you do good to them which do good to you, in other words, that's the only ones you're going to do good to, what thank have you? For sinners also do even the same. See, the Lord is making a differentiation between the sinner and the saint. I want to make that clear. 
Jesus is doing that. Don't tell me you are a sinner saved by grace. Jesus don't even talk like that. He says the sinner does the same. He's talking to people that are saved and he's saying, look, if you're going to serve me and you say, y'all, I'm going to tell you how you're supposed to treat people. And now he said, look, the sinner does this or the sinner. He's making a differentiation because a sinner is not somebody. You are not a sinner saved by grace. There is not even a verse that says that. And people will take a verse and just twist it. That's what the devil does. No, if you save, you're a saint. You're a saint of the Lord. And God wants you to obey what God has called the saints to do. But he's making us understand through his words, sinners can do some of the same things that the saints do. So we've got to go a step above and beyond what the sinner does, is what Jesus is saying. Now, verse 34, because we, we're going down to 36. And if you lend them of which you hope to receive, in other words, if you're lending just to make sure you get back, he said, what thank have you? For sinners also lend to sinners, notice that, to receive as much again. You see? Verse 35. But love ye your enemies and do good and lend hoping for nothing again. Don't expect to get back. If you're going to lend, lend without thinking you're going to get something back. And your reward shall be great. God sees it and God will reward you in the right time. And ye shall be the children of the highest. God is saying, look, you want to be a child of mine? This is how you better act. Amen. For he is kind unto the unthankful and to the evil. Did you hear that? The God of the Most High. He is kind unto even the unthankful and the evil. You say, well, where's that? Don't you know the Bible says that it rains on the just and the unjust? In other words, God's. have you ever seen where the rain starts coming down and, and you might have somebody, you know on your streets a Christian, or maybe you're the Christians, and it's only raining on your house, and you know that the people across the street might be doing drugs. Now, that's not the case in my neighborhood, but anyway. And maybe two doors down, they, you know, got a prostitution ring going. That's not my case in my neighborhood. I'm just saying. I'm just making a point. And, and, and God is not letting it rain on their house. But, oh, it's just pouring down on your house, and you, you're only just a few steps away. Come on now. You know that ain't going to happen. Why? Because God is going to let it rain on everybody. And, and you say, well, how is that a blessing? If you ain't got no rain, you can't grow nothing. And we're just going to have no food. We're all going to die. So God is saying, look, I'm good to the unthankful. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm good to them. And I'm, I, I'm good to those that are evil because he wants them to be without excuse. God is trying to say, look, I want you to see that you ain't going to have no excuse and sit there and blame me and say I'm not a good God. Because that's not true. He's kind and he's good and he's loving. Now, God don't play no games. He wants you to repent. But God is still a loving God. He's a good God and he's a kind God. Now, verse 36, it says, Be ye therefore merciful as your Father is also, or also is merciful. And, and, and that is so true. God wants us to be uh, very mindful of being merciful. As a matter of fact, that's part of the um, requirements of God. If you look at the book of Micah, it's M-I-C-A-H, I believe is how you spell it. 
and I think it's chapter 6 and verse 8, I believe. And, and it's one of the requirements to be merciful. Uh, you know, God requires us to be merciful. So, so the Lord wants us to do that. Okay, so now we're going to go to the last ones that are, these are my favorites. And that's what I wanted to do on our 50th podcast. These are some of my favorite verses. So I'm going to go to John chapter 1. Um, well, actually, I want to read John 3.16. That's one of my favorites. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. All right. But I would encourage you, if you'd read verses 17 through 21, there's some more things added to that, and a lot of people... They don't want to read the rest of these verses to get an understanding of what God's saying in verse 16. But I'd encourage you to read 17 through 21 as well of John chapter 3. All right, so we're going to go on to uh, John, St. John. This is Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. First uh, John, uh, not First John, I'm sorry. John, the first chapter is what I meant to say. And I'm going to read verses 1 through 15. In the beginning was the Word. That's a capital W meaning you're going to have to look at it as like God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. That does not mean there's a trinity. I don't have time to deal with all of that right now, but we're going to talk about that sometime. Verse 2. The same was in the beginning uh, was in the beginning with God. Verse 3. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. Verse 4. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Verse 5, that means human beings. Verse 5, and the light shineth in the darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. It means people that are living in dark. Verse 6, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. We talked about John the Baptist earlier. He was the one that baptized Jesus. It's his cousin. Uh, John's mother's name was Elizabeth. And um, uh, Mary was um, Elizabeth's younger cousin, is how that goes. All right, so um, where was I at? Okay, verse 6. There was a man sent from God uh, whose name was John, verse 17, or verse 7. The same came for a witness to bear witness of the light that was, uh, that all. Men, that word men there was not an original, but it means all, all, or all people. Through him might believe, through John, that the belief of Jesus Christ would come. And so, you know, John the Baptist was baptizing under repentance, saying, there's one mightier than I that's going to come to baptize you with the Holy Ghost. Um, verse 8, it says, he was not that light, meaning John the Baptist, but was said to bear witness of that light. He was to bear witness and let everybody know, look, this is him. This is the Messiah. Verse 9. That was the true light. That's talking about Jesus. Which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. Every single person is going to be uh, 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 able to receive the light of God if you accept the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord wants to do that for every human being. Verse 10. He was in the world and the world was made by him and the world knew him not. You see? Verse 11. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. In other words, he went to the Jews. That's who he came to as his people. Verse 12. And I don't have time to discuss all that, but uh, we'll get into that another time. Uh, Verse 12. 
But as many as received him, to, to them gave he power. You understand now? If you received him. Now, you can't just say, oh, I know Jesus. Because the Bible says in the book of James, the devils do the same thing. They know Jesus. They're not stupid. They know The devils know who Jesus are. And they accept him as the Son of God. They know he's the Son of God. They're afraid of him. You know. But it says that those that will receive him, you've got to go beyond what the devil do. So you, you, if you're going to receive him, you're going to have to say, I put my faith in him. But your faith is going to have to have some actions of faith. That's what the book of James talked about. There is no faith without works. Because faith without works is dead. And do you know what dead means? Dead means dead. Hmm? You got that? All right. So now, uh, it says in verse 12 of chapter 1, But as many as received him, to, uh, them he gave power to become the sons of God. Meaning the children of God or the family of God. Just don't leave the women out. I don't want nobody thinking that. That's not it at all. But that simply is another term for God's family. The people of God are the children of the Lord. Even to them that believe on his name. In other words, there's going to be people that eventually would never see Jesus in the flesh, but they're still going to believe him like me. I know and I believe, but I never saw him in the flesh. That's what that means. That don't mean anything else. Because some people twist it up and think that it means something else and that you don't have to be baptized in Jesus' name like it says in Acts chapter 2, verse 38, and many other verses and all. That's not what that means. you got lying preachers that are telling you that, and you need to run away from them because they're lying to you. But anyway, it simply means those, you know, those that would believe on his name. In other words, you heard about Jesus, but you never saw him. And so you believed in him. And you put your faith in him and you obeyed what he said, including baptism, which Jesus is saying this is a righteous deed and asking John uh, the Baptist to baptize him. Now, so, uh, verse 12, it says, or not 12, excuse me, 13, it says, uh, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. So this absolutely refutes what people translate so many Christians that's got a false doctrine and say, oh, uh, when Jesus said to Nicodemus, you're going to be born of the water and of the Spirit. This this verse right here in chapter uh, 1 and verse 13, it wipes that out because he tells you they weren't born of the flesh or blood. That's not it at all. He said they were born of God. He said, look, this is what he was trying to explain to Nicodemus. And so, because some people say, oh, well, um, he don't even mention water here because the, the baptism is that water that uh, Jesus was talking about when he's talking about Nicodemus. And, and you see this also played out uh, with the children of Israel as they come through the wilderness and they were baptized under the cloud and in the sea. You see, this was their type of baptism, you see, both water and spirit baptism. All right, so we're going to move on. And I, I can go on and on about that, but I'm not going to, and I'll give a lesson on that another time. All right, so verse 14, and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. In other words, God, God was, uh, there was a body made in the flesh and God's spirit dwelt that body. And it says he dwelt among us. He lived among us. He lived on this earth and became uh, like us, one of us. It says, and we beheld this glory, the glory as the only begotten of the Father. This is the only one ever going to come. You ain't, uh, listen to me, all of you Jews that are still looking for your Messiah, listen to me, he's already come. His name is Jesus. 
And he wants you to uh, take those blinders off. He wants to be able to take those blinders off of you for you to see who Jesus is. Amen. And so there ain't another one coming from the Father. I know you keep looking, but listen, uh, this is it. Jesus is the Messiah. He's the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. All right? And um, so the last verse we got going on here is, John bear witness of him and cried, saying, This was he of whom I spake. He that cometh after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. Okay? So don't sit there and say, Jesus ain't God. There's no way that Jesus could have been before John because John actually was consumed in the womb of Elizabeth before Mary uh, was uh, consumed, was uh, conceived, conceived the baby Jesus. Uh, so, you know, how could he have been before him? The only way he could have been is because he was before him. Just as the Bible says, the Word was made flesh, and he was the Word. He became one of us, but he existed before. Jesus said, before Abraham was, I am. He didn't say I was. He said I am. In other words, he's always been. Who said I am? Who said those words? God said those out of the burning bush when he spoke to Moses. When, when Moses asked, he said, who, who are you? He said, I am that I am. Hallelujah. And so Jesus is God come in the flesh. Amen. So those, uh, you know, they was a, I, I want to make this more clear for people to understand. God fathered a body. We, we don't deny the Father. God fathered the body. And uh, he, that the Bible makes it clear in Colossians 2 and 9 that, all the fullness of the Godhead dwelt in Jesus bodily, so the Spirit of God is able to indwell that body, and it did. And so that's how we understand and know the truth of those verses. And so it is that I have read those things, that the passage of the Scripture that I, I really love. There's, I mean, there's so, so many, many, many more uh, that I could have picked, but I had to pick some, you know what I mean? And so these are some of my favorites. I just really love them. And uh, so that's what I wanted to do for our 50th podcast. And uh, I, I just hope that you will celebrate with us and, and listen to the podcast. I know that it's going on for an hour and 50 minutes, so that's almost two hours. And I know that's a long time. But when you got time, I, w I would just uh, hope that you would just be encouraged and listen to uh, some of my favorite uh, passages of Scripture. And so with that said, I just hope you have a blessed weekend because I certainly plan on doing that. You know, when you got the Lord with you, you're going to be blessed. And and God can help you through any difficulties that you might incur, encounter too. So please consider, if you're not saved, would you consider being saved? Would you consider uh, allowing the Lord to, to be the light of your life? He is the light that's come to all uh, of us. He wants to save you. He wants to deliver you. He wants to uh, bring you out of all of those things that's got you held down and bound up. And maybe you are saved, but you're struggling and you got some difficulty. I know the Lord can deliver. I know that he can. And you keep on trusting the Lord and you keep on praying and you keep on. We're going to be praying for you too. And you hang in there. God is able to do anything. Hallelujah. I know the Lord is able to do anything because he's done so much for me. God bless you and may the Lord keep you this weekend. Amen.